You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, episode 29. I really wanted to go do a tour of the hospital because I like to visualize like the scene ahead of time. But the nurse navigator said that if you wanted to see a room, you could call her or text her and she would let you know when there was one open and you could run up really quick and hope to see it. <laughs> so I got like a personal tour to go see one of the rooms. This woman is like really great. I ended up like hanging out with her after for a little bit. Like I was like in her office and she's just telling me about, I don't know, we were talking about birth stuff. And I said that I wanted to try a natural birth. And like she said, it was basically like Yoda from Star Wars. She was just like, just you're going to do it. You know, there's no try. (laughs) Like just going to do it. (laughs) And that, like those words I kept in my head. And the other thing she said was, never ask for the epidural during a contraction like wait until the middle so like you're in your own brain and during labor like there was no pain in between the contractions so i always felt like i could do another one because i had that in my head Hey there, and welcome to the Birth Matters Show. I'm your host, Lisa Graves-Taylor, founder of Birth Matters NYC Childbirth Education and Labor Support. This show is here to lessen your overwhelm on the journey into parenthood by equipping and encouraging you with current best evidence info and soulful interviews with parents and birth pros. Please keep in mind the information on this show is not intended as medical advice or to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. If you enjoy this show, we'd be incredibly grateful if you'd share it with a friend. You can follow and share our posts on social media at Birth Matters NYC or simply tell them to search for Birth Matters wherever they listen to podcasts. Today, Alicia shares details about her hospital induction, which she was able to manage without pain medications. Before she gets into that, she talks about the various ways she equipped herself with as much knowledge as she needed to feel confident going into the process of giving birth. Because her blood pressure read high and amniotic fluid looked borderline low at 39 and a half weeks, the decision was made to induce labor. She describes the many hours that proceed from there, how their doula provided comfort measures, and how praying helped center her through to the pushing stage. Alicia also shares some details of early breastfeeding, cloth diapering, and her tips for expectant parents on building support and a knowledge base. Before we get started on the birth story, today's episode is brought to you by the Birth Matters Complete Online Course. If you can't squeeze in an in-person group birth class series, or if you didn't feel like the one you took was comprehensive enough, or if you don't even have a quality class available in your area, I have the perfect solution for you. Birth Matters Complete Course is an online recorded version of my in-person full series. It covers not only prep for an amazing birth with self-advocacy tips, best current evidence, and tips for partners, but also holistic postpartum wellness, breastfeeding, and newborn care. And to top it off, you get lifetime access so that you can use it as a refresher later in this or future pregnancies. For New York City locals, you have an option to add to the course an in-person, one-evening, hands-on comfort measures workshop, which is a really ideal option for the more tactile parts of the course. Check it out at birthmattersonline.com. Now let's jump in. Welcome to the Birth Matters Show. Hello, Alicia. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm pretty good. You know, a little sleep deprived, but I think that's normal. (laughs) Yeah. So where are you in your parenting journey? How long ago did you give birth? Pretty recently. Yeah, it was only a little more than four months ago. It was September 1st. 2019. So still in the throes of new parenthood. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So I'm not a pro at anything. (laughs) Well, I'm always especially grateful when parents are willing to share this early on because you, you know, hopefully the birth story is a little more fresh on your memory, but it's a hard time to share anything to for your brain to work. (laughs) Exactly. So I'll try not to stutter. I don't know. I was trying not to drone on about things. (laughs) No pressure at all. And so you guys are based in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's always helpful to have kind of a sense of the setting and, you know, um, commute to the birthplace and all of that. So why don't you just jump in wherever you'd like to start, whether that's, you know, prenatal preparation for birth or birth, whatever that is. Yeah. I'll talk about the lead up and preparation a little bit. For us, fortunately, there weren't any issues with getting her. Basically, about a year ago, like pretty much, I was like, yeah, I want a baby. 
Like, <laughs> and I thought it would take about a year, you know, to like be successful because I don't know, you know, you don't think it's going to happen right away. Um, but it did. And we're very happy. So I kind of had the feeling right away that I was pregnant. And um, right away, we made an appointment to go to an OB. And uh, it was very early on. But I remember just like the first time seeing her on the screen as just like a teeny little pinprick and just like bouncing around because they move so much even (laughs) right from the start. And it's crazy to think that that was only a year ago or already a year ago. Um, And most of my pregnancy was pretty healthy. The first, I think it was one of the first appointments, I had slightly high blood pressure, um, but it was only one time. And after that, everything was normal and I was healthy. I did, the first doctor I went to was just, she was just a gynecologist actually. So I ended up having to switch doctors for my second trimester, but they recommended Dr. Elliston from the East 86 Street. 1060 OBGYN. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Back at your intake. OBGYN. <laughs> yeah. So originally, yeah. So I had to switch um, for my second trimester to go to 1060. And there are three main doctors there. And the one who ended up doing my delivery was Dr. Elliston. And I think, and they were all great, but she was like really, you know, first class, I think. So. Like I said, everything was normal. I remember going to the 20-week appointment and seeing, like, the first real sonogram of her and, like, in profile. See, I say her now because I know she's a girl. But at the time, I had decided not to find out the sex. So in the picture, I thought it was, I don't know why. It was just, to me, it looked like a boy. So the whole time, I thought it was going to be a boy. (laughs) But it was, like, the cutest, like, the most perfect little profile. And, like, her nose looked like it was going to be, like, mine. Like, a little, just, like, a little poop. And then I had to get through the summer with all that pregnancy stuff. And like, I remember also talking to Yark, I think in the spring about getting a doula, but he thought it sounded kind of frou-frou at the time. Like he's 100% engineer. And like, I knew like it was expensive, so I couldn't just like go off and decide to get it myself. So I needed him to be on board with that. So I kind of put the idea aside for a while and then, um, I was asking one of my other good friends. I only have like a couple good friends who've already given birth. So I was leaning mostly on one of them for like reference. Is that the way you heard about doulas through your friends or how did you find out about doulas? Oh yeah. I found out originally through my friend, one of my friends who I was in grad school, uh, like a while ago, she had had a doula. And so she just talked about how great her birth experience was all the time. She had had a water birth. And so originally I would have liked to have a water birth maybe, maybe for the next one. Is she local? No, she lives in Ohio now, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Water births are hard to come by unless it's like a home birth or you go yeah. out, of, out of the city really almost. Yeah. There's one place, Brooklyn Birthing <laughs> Center. But yeah. yeah. So um, I didn't, no, I didn't have the option because the, I, I went based on like who my OB was going to be based out of. So it's going to be Lenox Hill and they don't have that at all. Yeah, so, like, I knew having a doula was just, it just sounded like a nice idea, but I didn't think it would be necessary. I don't know. Now I'm, like, everybody should have one. (laughs) At the time, I didn't, I didn't know what it was going to be like, so. But my friend who, like, I was asking about birth classes. Actually, yeah, I wanted to ask about birth classes, because I hadn't really thought of that either. Like, I was just reading books, but my friend upstate, she, they had just gone to a birth class, like, as part of their hospital tour. So that's what I was looking at at first. But then I thought about how I really don't know anybody around here who's given birth. And I don't have that many, like just that much knowledge about about it or how to take care of the baby after. So I wanted a class that was like a little bit of everything, which is what you provided. It was so perfect. Like it was how to prepare your body and like how to go through the labor and then a little bit of the newborn care and breastfeeding support after. Like it was really, really awesome. And so your class, honestly, I think it really is the reason that I had such a positive experience. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's so kind of you to say. (laughs) I would give you a ton of credit because you had to go through it. (laughs) I mean, but thank you. (laughs) It just, I mean, that was because of your class, like, we decided to get a doula, basically. And I think also you educated us a bit on the nutrition or the doula, she also had a lot of like tips on nutrition too. And that 
like I knew, you know, eating is important, but I didn't know exactly what was going to be that beneficial. And so your class teaching us the counter pressure moves and then also just like the nutrition and just just thinking about natural birth like when we first found out I was pregnant Yarick was like you're getting an epidural because again he's an engineer and he had kidney stones at one point so he's like he's like I know pain and you don't want it the <laughs> male form of giving birth I've always heard his kidney stones yeah, <laughs> yeah his, his doctor said it's like on the pain scale it's the same apparently and so he was really worried that I would go through the pain of childbirth if I didn't get the epidural and like just he thought that's the reason for postpartum depression and like all these things like so he was really afraid of that but then like I was I started reading that book the natural birth stories and like it's just the first half is like chicken soup for like pregnant lady soul like all these positive oh this is natural oh you can do this. You can birth a 10 pound baby without an epidural. Like if you have the right support. And Are I was you talking like, about Ina May's Guide to Childbirth? Yeah. yeah. Oh, such a good book. So <laughs> I've like told everybody to read that. I wanted to ask you, how did Yarek become convinced that hiring a doula was a good idea? I think when we were practicing the counter pressure moves in your class and he understood how physical Supporting me with yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's the most common time, at least in birth class, that people are like, oh my gosh, maybe we do need a doula. This is hard yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, I think that was okay. it. <laughs> and Got it. That is like definitely where that was one of the really big benefits of having her there was for that physical support because mm-hmm. I needed it mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Oh, where was I? I lost it. I think you were listing off a few things that were helpful about class. Yeah. I cut you off. Sorry. Okay. So the, okay. I was talking about how, like, I started thinking about natural childbirth mostly because of you. Like, I know even when I was younger and like, I first, you know, learned about babies and stuff, I was like, and I heard that there was an epidural. I was like, oh, I will definitely get that if I give birth because I don't like pain. But like, it's just that book made me rethink childbirth and think about how, oh, it is a natural process. And like, it doesn't need to be so medical. Like everything doesn't need to be so medical. And it was really, really nice way to think about it. And I think it kind of made me think about birth as just a really important part of being human and bringing someone into the world. It's like such a great thing. So I told Yarek that I was like, all right, I think I want to try natural birth. And so what he made me do is watch videos online of women giving birth and look at the difference in their faces, like the difference between those who had a natural birth and those who got the epidural. Trying to talk you out of it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, you have not told me this. This is hilarious. (laughs) I did this. And so that's how I knew, like, I watched the whole things. I was like, okay, I'll do this. And honestly, in the videos, the women who like went natural seemed the most most satisfied after to me. It seemed like a more positive experience. During the labor, you could tell they were really suffering. But afterwards, it's like, I think you mentioned this too. It's like the pain is only during the birth. And then after there's no side effects, you're just done, you know? And yeah, and you have a beautiful natural hormonal surge that happens after that birth so that much. sometimes can be suppressed if there have been medications introduced. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That happened to me. Like so many endorphins afterwards. I was like riding that for a couple of days. So I watched the videos and I told him I was like what I felt and he's like, okay. And I was like, I'll be fine. I'll be able to take care of her. Don't worry. Even after this. So I was really hoping for a natural birth. Um, I knew that, you know, things happen and maybe there would be a C-section or, you know, something else. Uh, I didn't have a solid birth plan. Like I didn't want to like feel disappointed in myself or something if things didn't go through. But I did have that as a preference. And I even talked to my doctor about it, um, Dr. Ellison. I asked her, I was like, what's your opinion on the epidural or no epidural? And she's like, medically, there's no difference. And that was like, you know, hearing that from a doctor, that's probably the best support you'll get, I feel like, for this. So she knew what I wanted. She's like, you just have to tell us so that the nurses aren't constantly in your face with like, do you want the epidural yet? (laughs) Because they will be. Yeah. Tell them to please not constantly offer it. (laughs) Yeah. 
Another thing that helped me was um, we did get, I really wanted to go do a tour of the hospital because I like to visualize like the scene ahead of time. But the first time we went on the tour, we weren't able to see a labor room. They only had like eight, eight or 10 labor rooms at Lenox Hill. So we weren't able to get into one. But the nurse navigator, her name is Lisa Chavrian. Um, she said that if you wanted to see a room, um, you could call her, text her, and she would let you know, like, when there was one open, and you could run up really quick and hope to see it. <laughs> so I did this. And so I got, like, a personal tour to go see one of the rooms, which it's, like, they're very basic, but I was like, okay, that's it. It looks, honestly, I would like to have a home birth, but whatever. <laughs> Yarek said also that he's like, please have this baby in the hospital, at least the first one. I was like, fine. So the this woman is like really great I ended up like hanging out with her after for a little bit like I was like in her office and she's just telling me about like I don't know we were talking about birth stuff and I said that I wanted to try a natural birth and like she said it was basically like Yoda from Star Wars she was just like just you're gonna do it you know there's no try like you're just gonna do it (laughs) and that like those words I kept in my head and the other thing she said was never ask for the epidural during a contraction like wait until the middle so like you're in your own brain and during labor like there was no pain in between the contractions so I always felt like I could do another one because I had that in my head so um, it's nice that she gave you that personal attention and that she had some a couple of things that sound like they helped you yeah it helped a lot so then Oh, yeah, because your class, we looked up doulas, and you had, a, like, a list of recommendations. So that's where we found Erica. So Erica Simpson, amazing. <laughs> so good. She's so sweet and, like, really just, I don't know, very, like, calm calm presence. And, like, she just really knows her stuff. So she gave me a bunch of um, tips on, like, food to eat. So she, I know you mentioned dates, and I had already read that dates are good, I think. Um, And she also recommended evening primrose oil and um, raspberry leaf tea and like why those are good. So I started like like around week 37, I started going with those because they said you don't want to start those too early, but around week 37 is good. And I think that helped a lot. The evening primrose oil definitely helped soften the cervix and the raspberry leaf tea. Maybe that's the other reason I was able to get through naturally because I've listened to some of your other interviews where they talk about how the contractions came on like so hard and fast, they couldn't take it. And I was like, I don't know if mine were that bad. Like I was able to get through it. So maybe it's just different. Um, So that helped a lot. And then, um, okay. So then I can start the actual birth story. (laughs) So a couple weeks before, before the birth, it was like, I think week 36 or 37, uh, I started read like they started reading high blood pressure in my when I went in and it was a little bit weird like a lot of times I would go in and they would read it at the beginning and it would be high but then when I was leaving it would be normal again and a lot of times like you know you get you go to the doctor and you think you're gonna have to wait around for a while so but like for this one they're great because they're very fast but also it's like I'd literally be in the bathroom trying to pee in a cup and they would call my name and I'm like this can't be good for my blood pressure and then they like they're calling my name just to read the blood pressure so oh gosh <laughs> yeah that makes sense and, and yeah like, and the way down. you're describing it sounds almost like the white coat syndrome or just that yeah. you didn't have enough time to like come down from the activity of getting there to the office so that's what I thought yeah like at first but then after like it was like one of the last ones they read it and it was like I guess much higher so there was like no no pretending that it wasn't high this time so it was Friday August 30th must have been that I went in and Dr. Laura Elliston was there and so she was checking everything and she also read the she was like measuring the amniotic fluid and she said that that was, it was like just borderline, like just about five, whatever that's supposed to be. Yeah, that's the, that's like the lowest that it should be to be in the healthy range. Yeah. So because of that and the high blood pressure, she's like um, strongly recommended that I get induced that day. And I was like, I was so upset. I just like, 
like I held it together at the doctor's office and she saw but she saw my face and she was like she's like I'm sorry like I know what you wanted and I was like it's okay like I trust you she's really good but it was funny like the way she said sorry she was like like she's very she knows what she's doing so she's like this is not the worst situation you know she's she's like I'm sorry but like also like get over it it'll be fine (laughs) like (laughs) it was funny and and Um, how many weeks were you right now so at that point I was 39 and a half weeks like it was fine like I had originally imagined I would get induced for going over I didn't think it would be early so I had all my bags packed and everything like pretty much so I was ready but I just thought I would have another week so it was it was a lot to handle at once and I walked out of the office she told the hospital like be ready so (laughs) so I got out of the appointment and I called Yarek and I just like couldn't even talk I was so upset and I was like Yarek you need to come home and he's like okay I'll be home and then I was still up on the other side so I'd like get on the subway and go home and he was like freaking out because he thought I was like having the baby like I was very emotional I couldn't describe how no I'm just getting induced like it's fine but I just sounded like I was about to go into labor I guess Um, And I also called Erica, the doula, just to keep her updated. And she said that I should call her back when we talked about everything and I was able to come up with a plan with her. So then I got home and Yark was like asking what the doctor said. And I told him and he's like, "Okay, well, it sounds like, you know, it's not completely urgent. So we can take our time at home. Like, let's make sure we have everything packed and have a good meal and everything. So we ordered ramen and checked all the bags and stuff and then it was around nine o'clock that actually the doctor called me like I was just about to call her and like tell her what we were going to be doing that we were getting ready to go to the hospital around then and so she's like okay good like that's perfect yeah that makes sense like making sure you're comfortable and relaxed and so we also talked with the doula with Erica and we decided that she didn't need to come right away because That was probably going to be a long process. And I think we decided she would come to the hospital when I was like four minutes in between contractions. I think that was what we decided. It does get a little fuzzy, like when you're trying to remember the details. Like, I know this happened, but I don't remember exactly when. I was able to stay rational enough when talking with the doctor. um, She was like talking about the induction process. And so she said we could, um, you could start with Cervidil or just go right to Pitocin. But I was like, I wanted to give her and like as much time to like prepare to be born as possible. So I was like, all right, I'll start with the Cervidil. And so that's why I was going early. So I would do the Cervidil overnight. And then in the next day, they would start with the Pitocin. And had she told you how dilated you were and effaced? Yeah. Um, so I think I was pretty well effaced. I think I was like 50% because of the, I think the evening primrose oil like I was pretty soft but the dilation was only like half an inch so it wasn't really anything we were starting from zero um we got to the hospital I think we got there around 10 o'clock we took an uber like an uber black fancy <laughs> and I remember we live way down um near battery park and so it was a very weird it was like nighttime but they had I think it's the twin tower lights going up so he like looked out the taxi and like the two lights are like going up in the sky and like it's a very clear weird image to have like right before you're going into the hospital because it was like a week before 9-11 this year. We were also supposed to go to a housewarming party that weekend and Yarek wrote on Facebook that he's like oh guys sorry baby's being born this weekend we won't be able to go and so two of our friends they saw this and they were like wait, are you guys having the baby now? And like, we told them what was happening and we're just like at the hospital for the first procedure. And they're like, can we come visit? (laughs) I was like, yeah. So Lennox is nice because they let like as many people as you want come hang out with you. Really? Wow, that's unusual. You shouldn't advertise that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not public knowledge. (laughs) They let like a reasonable amount of people come. Like as long, I think it's family friendly. So it's, if you if you are happy to see them there, then it's fine. So our two friends came uh, at one o'clock. They came to the room and we were still up. We were just chilling. And like there was like a Star Wars 
marathon going on on the TV. So we're just like watching TV and they came with a bunch of snacks and we just <laughs> chilled for a bit. And so. maybe it's good to point out that probably because you were really early on in the induction and often with Cervidil, things can take a while to get going and for things yeah. to get intense that you were still maybe more in the mood for visitors than you might've been later on. Yes. Is yeah. that maybe true? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good point. <laughs> I was definitely like, there wasn't, yeah, they actually put the Cervidil in at like midnight. So it was very early and there wasn't anything going on. In the morning, we did get to sleep a little bit. Um, Yarg slept on like their couch thing. They had just like an armchair that folds into a bed. It looked pretty comfortable. Um, the next morning, the contractions did start in the morning. The first few contractions, I didn't really feel too much, but the nurse was like taking my vitals on the monitor and she looked at the screen. She's like, oh, there's a contraction. I was like, oh, good. Like it's starting already. But even though the Cervidil was working on its own, they still had to do Pitocin to speed it up. So painful. (laughs) Mm. Um, Not going to lie. And I did get to request the wireless monitoring. So I was able to move around a lot, which was good. Good. Yeah. So in the morning, I remember, I think it might have been around 11 a.m., the contractions started getting a little bit intense. It was just like some back aches so Yark was still there and he was just like doing the counter pressure on my back every time and it was really helpful and then around a little bit after that he went home to like feed our cat and um he also yeah he was just he went to like eat lunch and stuff oh another tip we one of the things I think you mentioned this before if you have time before you go to the hospital to like bake something for the nurses. So I had asked the nurse navigator, like, what's really good to eat, like, bring? And she's just like, anything that's easy. So, like, candy is actually the best. Um, so, and I was like, are cookies okay? And she's like, oh, yeah, like, anything easy, like, no cake, you know, nothing you have to serve. So we made macaroons, and, like, the nurses really liked them. They appreciated oh, that a lot. Wonderful. Yeah. So they liked us, I think. <laughs> And when Yarek left, was Erica there yet? Not yet. So it was just me for a little bit. But it wasn't like, there wasn't that much pain yet. And like, I was able to walk around. So I don't know. For me, I used to get really bad period cramps. So I'm pretty, and I know like I would take Advil sometimes, but a lot of times I would just survive on like those heat packs and trying to rest and stay hydrated. Hi. And did you bring heat with you to the, as part of your hospital bag? Any kind uh, of heat source? I did, but we didn't use it. We didn't okay. have a microwave in the room, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I just did, um, I don't know what I did while he was gone. I think I tried to rest and I was just watching TV to distract myself. I was just, I don't know what I was doing during that time. I think I was just walking around and like, um, maybe I started, they have, they have like everything you need there. So they have like the exercise balls and the peanut balls. They have exercise balls and peanut balls for every single room or, or just a few handful or. I don't know if they have enough for every single room, if everybody wants one at once, but they have a lot. So Yarek was basically allowed to bring me like a last meal. So I was literally, I think basically I was just sitting waiting for him to come back so I could eat before one o'clock. Cause that's when they were starting the Pitocin. And then at this hospital, they don't allow you to eat anything or drink anything, just ice chips. So because of that, they also hook you up to the IV for fluids. And that was probably one of the most annoying things was like I did have a hemi pack in in case they would be able to take it out. Um, but they kept it in the whole time because they were worried about me having enough fluids because we're not allowed to drink anything. <laughs> just trying to move around with that when you're trying to move around in labor is a challenge, but we did it. And I just, yeah, I just remember how annoying it was to like move around. Cause I'd be like throwing these wires around and, and then I'd have to carry that thing to the bathroom and worry about getting it hooked on something. Just <laughs> so, so annoying. Uh, at least you had wireless monitoring. So there were at least a, yeah. a little bit fewer. A little bit fewer. <laughs> things to navigate. Except that that's just, yeah, yeah, it's just a little bit. Um, and did the wireless like stay on or did they lose, lose the tracing a lot? or they lose how? it a lot and have to yeah. come in and readjust it all the time. Were yeah. the nurses annoyed by that? 
I don't think so. I well, wasn't good. paying attention. Show it. <laughs> a lot of nurses get so irritated with that. <laughs> they might have been. I just thought nurses were annoyed all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was Labor Day weekend, so I wasn't expecting anybody to be in a great mood <laughs> to have to deliver this baby with me. So I think it helps that I think early afternoon, Yarek's mom actually came too, <laughs> which was a little bit, I was not sure about that, but I'm not someone to turn away support. So even though I was like, I'm not sure if, if I need more people, but okay. Um, but she was helpful because at one point when I was like, everything was really intense and she like saw that I needed a break from people. She's like, okay, I'll go back to your guys' apartment. And she fed our cats and she made more macaroons for the nurses. Like, oh, that sounds like very helpful things to be done. <laughs> very helpful. And yeah, I was like always worried about the cat. I was like, I hope she's okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So one o'clock the doctor came in, she checked everything. I think I was still only like, I was very effaced, but not really dilated still. Like it was still like maybe one inch when she measured. And so they started the Ptosin at like two. And just like every time the nurses would come back in the room and check my vitals, they would leave and turn it up a little bit. And I was like, wait, it's it's higher now. And yeah, it's just, I think it's like just hearing that word gives me a little bit of PTSD because I hate it so much. My contractions were starting already. like, And for a while, I think the natural contractions were ahead of the Ptosin because I was able to get a little bit of that wave that you talked about. And so I could feel it. And I had a little bit of the endorphins at the end. So I felt it. It was like really cool. Exactly what you said. Like I was able to deal with it on my own for a bit. Even like there was one time like I was in the bathroom and one hit and like, I just like held on, you know, and I breathed through it and I came out and Yarek and his mom were like watching the monitor and they're like, did you have a contraction in there? Like we saw the thing like shoot up, like, are you okay? And I was like, it was very unpleasant, but you know, I've done difficult things before. So I was okay. And then I think around three or four is when they started really getting difficult to handle and Yarek was getting tired because he'd been doing a few hours of counter pressure and holding me. And I was like sitting on the ball and like leaning on him or he would be at my back like pushing. So that's when we called Erica and asked her to come. And so she pretty much came and took over for Yarek. And that was, I think around then where I was just like, I lost all my inhibitions. <laughs> I was like, I need to be naked now. Like no clothes, nothing. I just need to be in labor. And I just didn't care what happened. It's amazing. What that is one to? of the signposts of active labor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> Going into primal mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and someone tried asking me like a, like a very mundane question about just like, like that, I think I remember reading and I think Ina May's book about how labor is such like a, or maybe you talked about it, how it's such a physical thing. Like if you try and do anything mentally, it takes away from your ability to handle it. And I was just like, I can't have a conversation right now. Yeah. Those primitive hormones have to surge and you get out of that thinking brain, that neocortex for sure. So I definitely need that. I don't know what's going on with her. Get, get used to this. This goes into toddlerdom and like tweendom. Anytime you get on the phone with somebody, they need you inevitably. Is that for real? I oh, totally, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Just starting at a very young age. Yeah, I'm with you all the time, baby. All the time. It's not enough. <laughs> yeah. So I was in very active labor. And it was just like, that was where having Erica there was, for the rest of it, it was basically me going through the contractions and just like, she's the one who really described to me what Pitocin was. Like, she's like, describe your contractions. Like, is it a wave or does it like suddenly shoot up? And it's just like, like, that's the pain wave, right? It's like, oh, and I was like, yeah, it's that. And she's like, that's the Pitocin. And just like knowing that I think helped me. And so I could almost feel them coming (laughs) and I would literally like 
grab onto her and just like I would like do like the low noise, like the very vocal like uh and then I would just keep doing it until she's like, All right, breathe. Like now it's time to breathe. <laughs> I was like, Okay. I don't know, it was it's so hard to remember to breathe during the contractions. Like I know it's important, but you just like it's just like extra effort that you can't think about spending. Yeah. And when you're not in that brain space to have somebody else there to just remind you of these things can be so helpful. Yeah. So from like three or four o'clock, basically until three in the morning, like that was our life. (laughs) Like just me going through the contractions, making that low noise and and I was still able to move around a lot. I think like I, I had to change positions all the time. Like sometimes I would be better like sitting up a little bit and the bed was nice. Like it moved in all different positions. Sometimes I would have to be on my side or on the ball and like going back and forth. That helped a lot. I remember like the feeling of having to push, but I don't know exactly what time it is. It might've been around midnight. Um, but it was also, I think it was also just transition. And I didn't really realize until then that like transition doesn't mean you can push yet. It's just like you can, but you want to push, but you can't. And that's why it's hard. Cause like one of the nurses scared me. She's like, like, we can't let her push until she gets checked. Cause then it, like, we don't want her to tear through her cervix. <laughs> and I was like, um, is that a thing? Like this, this is so common in hospitals, it, like in a home birth, they'd be like, okay, push. I mean, they would probably want to, you know, do an internal exam too, yeah. just to make sure. But it's so funny. Usually if your body is telling you, you need to push and you're pretty well dilated, like you're probably there. <laughs> I think it was maybe they didn't know about how dilated I was. Cause the last time they had checked was probably like seven o'clock and I was only like three centimeters. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, so then I really can see why. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And I remember, cause I remember like them telling me, yeah, you're three centimeters. And I was like, oh, I've been doing this for like six hours and that's it. And they're like, but they were very supportive. They're like, but you were at one and now you're at three and now you made progress. And I was like, okay. If you guys say it's good, that's good. I guess. And yeah, I don't think you've mentioned, have you, have your, had your waters released or broken no, yet? No, they okay. had not. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, you mentioned another thing you said in your class was like, you told us this tiny little tidbit of the Dalai Lama has to be born with the water intact. <laughs> and uh, Yarik and I had looked at each other in the class and we were like, huh, <laughs> like, let's try this. <laughs> so... <laughs> As if you can control that. (laughs) I know. No control whatsoever. But I did mention this to the doctor at one of the appointments, (laughs) to Dr. Elliston specifically. And I was like, do you guys rupture the amniotic sac? And she's like, usually we do because if it doesn't burst, then at the end it explodes all over everybody. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I understand why you wouldn't want that. So I just kind of accepted that they would probably do that, but she never did. And it didn't end up breaking until the very end. I've been reading other things where it's like the contractions after the water breaks are another story. Like they're a lot more intense. And so maybe that's also why I was able to manage the whole thing without the epidural because the water was intact until the end. But it was also the water level was low. So I don't really know. I don't think there was a lot of cushion. So. I really have no idea. We'll find out with the next one in who knows how long. So a lot of times during my labor, I was also like, if I was on the bed, I was just always watching the heart, like her heart monitor. And I was just like really proud of how like it was always steady. Like there were never any jumps. And like, I was always worried about that. Cause like, if you got induced, like I wanted her to pick her time to come out and she didn't get to. So I was really worried about like her being stressed out, but she just went with it. And so I kind of, I just treated it as a marathon. Like I didn't see the end, but I knew like within a day, everything would be done. Right. Like, you know, it's logically, it's not going to take more than 24 hours. So I could pretty much handle anything for that long. And then she'll she'll be there after. And like, I had read books on like preparing for after and like your class helped us with like the newborn stuff. But there was that point in, I guess, the transition period where all of a sudden it really hits home that wait I'm about to be a mother like (laughs) 
I'm like, I have to keep going and then I'll be a mother. And then I don't know, it was like a hump that I had, like a mental hump that I had to get over. Like I was suddenly quite scared of it. I don't know why it hadn't jumped at me before then, but it was like, we were having trouble, I think, getting her to descend, I guess, like, and like really open. But I just like started thinking about like, why I wanted her and like what we were going to do when she was born and when she was older. And I like just started thinking about like bringing her on hikes or like walking around and showing her the world. And then at that point, Yarek also suggested um, that we start doing some prayers, even though he's not a religious person at all. But he was like, maybe that's what's missing. And I forgot to mention that my older sister also came down. She lives up in Beacon, New York, because my parents were up in the Adirondacks with my younger sister. So they weren't even like anywhere near around, even though like they told me they were going on this trip. And I was like, you guys realize that's like the baby's due date, right? So the only one of my close family who was around was my older sister. And she came down and she was also like a really great calming presence. And she is a lot more like spiritual she does a lot with her local church so she just came over and we started saying hail marys and like our fathers and i don't know it was like i think it was like the last touch that we needed to kind of get through the end because after that i must have opened up a lot faster and then maybe around sometime early in the morning the doctor came in and she checked and she said i, I was technically nine centimeters but because I was, um, my cervix was like butter. She was like, it's so soft. You can push, I think, you know? And so I started trying to push mostly on my own at first. And I was trying to do different positions. But I just remember I was really tired at that point. I was like so tired that there was a point around then that I was starting to think of getting the epidural. And Erica said she could see it in my face. Like I was, I was not comfortable and I was so tired. So I just like, I asked her about it. Like I wanted to think about it and she's like, well, yeah, like the epidural, it'll let you sleep and rest a little bit. You know, like she, she was so great. She just like made sure whatever I wanted was what I wanted. Like it was very good. And um, as a good doula should, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's your birth, not hers. Yeah. You know? She never imposed anything. She was always just like very supportive. And I don't know wh why I decided not to. I think around then they had checked also. And I think I was at seven, seven centimeters or something. It was like something where I felt like I was close enough to the end that I was like, I don't think enough epidural will help out anyway. <laughs> or like, I think, you know, I could get through the rest of it. And I was still had, I guess, just enough time in between to like not feel pain in between them. So I never had to ask in between. And I just had that little blurb in my head of like don't ask during the contraction so I just held on for one more and one more but I was really tired for the pushing stage so I was trying to like hang on the back with the bed but I'm like someone who has no upper body strength like ever I don't know what it is I try doing push-ups but it just doesn't work so I and like my husband is really tall so that one move where you're like hanging on them it doesn't really work for me because he's so tall and I'm like reaching up I'm like this is not helping me too much work for you. Yeah. Too much work for me. You need something a little more restful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, they finally came in and they were like, do you want, uh, or I think Erica and the nurses were like, do you want us to like show you a birthing position? And I was like, okay, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I accepted it. <laughs> like I really didn't. Um, and so they did like, I went on my back, but then they had me like, I think I held my knees and when I felt contraction coming, I would, I think I had to breathe before then. And then with no voice, no sound, like, just like hold my breath during it for like 10 seconds. I think that's how we did it. Um, because uh, when you use your voice, you're using energy, but they want you to use all your energy for the pushing. I guess that's the theory behind it. And you like pretend you're like wrapping around a bowling ball and like pushing out and it worked for me really well actually so Great. yeah I was like they I guess they instructed it really well and I caught on because after that it didn't take I feel like once I got that position it didn't take very long 
to get her out. I do remember at one point, I don't know what happened. I was during one push, felt like she like hooked her leg around something. Like there was just like this tug inside me. And I was like, I cannot do anything right now. And I had to like sit back. Like, I don't know what it was. And then I had to like rally myself after that. Cause it was like, Oh God, I don't know what just happened. So for the next one, I just like kept pushing. And fortunately, I don't think anything was wrong, but I don't know what that was. It was like, it literally felt like she like hooked a leg on some part of my body. It was very, very unpleasant. How odd. Yeah, maybe it was like the umbilical cord or... So then it was like right at the end, I think Yarek said that the doctor, she like got down, you know, she got ready. And she, instead of bursting the sack, she got on like splash gear. So she was ready, which I appreciate so much that she knew like I didn't want it ruptured. So she was just like ready. And then because it wasn't that much fluid, it was just like a little puddle. So it was a little bit uh, anticlimactic, like there was no show. <laughs> and um, they let me feel her crowning, which I didn't know it was something I wanted, but it was a very, very cool experience. And after that, I, looking back, I probably should have, you know, got, like worked with them a little bit more to like ease her out. But I just like thought back to like, I used to take Taekwondo and when you break a board, you just yell and push them through. So that's kind of what I did. Yarek says it was, I just like yelled like he'd never heard. And oh, he just got back. Yeah, so he he's said, welcome to jump in if he'd like to. Do you want to jump in? <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny that I'm right at the part where he says he only just got this out of his memory. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> he might not want to go back there. <laughs> yeah, it was a very loud scream, and I almost feel bad for how very loud. Um, but she got out, and so apparently the umbilical cord was wrapped like all around her body. So the doctor had to like quick catch her and like move her around and pull her out and then they put her right on my chest and they were like it's a girl and I just looked at her I was like oh really like, <laughs> you're not who I thought you were, you were gonna be but I looked up at, and Yarek was right there and like he was really happy because he wanted a girl and I was like yay and then she just like pooped all over me <laughs> soon as they put her down it was just like and I was like, well, now we know where the amniotic fluid went. You ate it all. <laughs> you pooped it out on me. <laughs> so, I'm just glad she waited until after she got out to do that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, yeah, then she was out. And she was really small, actually. Like, she was the normal length, like 19 and a half inches. But she was only 5 pounds and 10 ounces. Like, very itty. little. Yeah, that's pretty itty-bitty. <laughs> yeah. And um, so they had to put her on the, under the warmer for a little bit. They did do the delayed cord clamping, but I think it was like three minutes. Yeah, that's usually the maximum that they'll do in a hospital. Yeah, yeah I was listening to one of your other recordings that they said they left on for like 45 minutes. I was like, really? But that was a home. <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe it was a birth center. It was likely either birthing center or home birth. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I forgot to mention, the doctor, she said that the high blood pressure might have been because the placenta can like push up against arteries or it can affect blood flow at the end. So she said that might've been it. And originally we were going to try keeping the placenta and doing the encapsulation thing, but we never got our act together enough. And like at the end I was like, I don't even really want it if it's the reason that I had to get induced. <laughs> <laughs> get it away from me. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. We were supposed to, like, we, originally, it's like, if you get there, you have to request a private room when you arrive, I think. And we just, for some reason, never got around to doing that. So we ended up in a shared room. But I got the nicer space. Like, it was, like, the window side. So for me, it was fine. But the other person in the room, I think they had a tougher time because they were, like, in the middle. And um, actually, they were at the same practice. So like, literally right after the doctor delivered my baby, she had to run over to theirs. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so then it was 3.14 in the morning on September 1st that she was born. And I was just like super happy because I was like, she's a pie baby. Like, <laughs> uh -huh. oh yeah. <laughs> 3.14. And... Uh, we're a little nerdy so I was like so happy about that and I just also remember like right after the birth I was like 
I did it. And I was just like, kept saying to Erica, I was like, I did it. I did the whole thing with at the epidural. And I was, I was so proud of myself. I just like felt so happy. And like, it was great. I just like felt, I felt so good. Mm. Um, and so that was about what, like 27 hours from the time that they started the cervidil? It was 22 hours. 20. No. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. 27, because it was 12 You said o'clock. midnight. Yeah, midnight. Yeah, 27 hours. I've been doing the math wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Easy to do when you're sleep deprived. <laughs> yeah, 27 yeah. hours. That's, yeah, that's about an average length of, for, for an induction. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's a long time to have to labor, especially with no pain meds. So, yay you. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Um, and then uh, I could talk a little bit about the recovery room if sure. you want. Yeah, go right ahead. So they wheeled me in there, but like I've read a lot of reviews for hospitals in New York City and like for almost every one of them, it was like labor is great and the recovery like afterwards you get abandoned. And so I was kind of ready for this, but like it was also Labor Day weekend. So the nurses who were there were all just like probably a little grumpier, but I just like made sure that I was extra polite to them and like really nice. Um, they were fine with me. Erica, I think, helped her to breastfeed right after. She like showed me how to hold her, and someone else did too. One of the nurses helped show me how to breastfeed. Unfortunately, she latched pretty well from the start. There was on one side, I don't know, like she did latch wrong on one side, and like I don't know, there was like a little purple mark after that. That's like my only indication of physical indication that something was wrong, but it like also just like hurt a lot more on that side for like a week. I don't know what that was, but the other side was fine. And my supply came in. I already had the colostrum, I think, for a couple of days. And then I think on the third day when I was home was like when the milk came in. And I just remember my aunt being like, like she was like reminiscing about her babies and she's like when it comes in like just let me know like I want to like it's like it's like bowling balls and I'm like oh my god (laughs) I was like I could have had twins and been fine (laughs) (laughs) did you have some engorgement yeah yeah and it was harder to get her to latch when it was like that too Mm -hmm. so she would get frustrated but did you have any uh, tricks like expressing any milk before you brought her onto the breast or anything that helped with that? I think I tried expressing a little bit. Um, I would also just try and get her on often so that before it got too engorged, mm-hmm. I would offer it to her. Or I would just be really stubborn and be like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and did you feel any emotional challenges like the baby blues kind of stuff right around that time at all? Um, I... I didn't have baby blues. I was still like, I think I had so many endorphins going through from afterwards. I felt pretty great, like mentally and emotionally. I do remember the first morning being home and looking at her and just being like, I was a little bit detached. Like I was very sleep deprived and I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to take care of this little thing. Like I didn't feel the connection at that moment like right yet. Um, And and that's something I'm glad you're mentioning that because a lot of people don't realize going into parenthood that you don't always feel that attachment right away. And it, it, mm -hmm. that's another version of normal. Yeah. I'd read that it was okay to be like that. So I'm Mm -hmm. glad I read so much, Mm -hmm. but it is weird to like, yeah, to feel it. It's a little scary because I don't know. And like, she cried a lot. They all cry a lot, but it was difficult because my husband, he was amazing, but he did not read as much about taking care of the baby right after it. And so he was worried about every little thing. So it was hard for me to rest because like, I would literally try and get a 20 minute nap and she would start like making any kind of noise and he'd be like, you have to feed her. And I'd be like, I just fed her. Like, please give me, Let me rest. Give me a minute, please. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think I don't think I showered for about five days after that because no, no time for anything. And she did cluster feed a lot at first. So I was like, yeah, she might actually be hungry every time she was like doing that. And the rooting, every time she rooted, I was like, she might be hungry because she's cluster feeding. So I just like went with it. But it was so hard. Those first couple days, I was exhausted. Mm, feels um, like the baby is never not on your boob, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Okay, <laughs> like, and I remember like the fourth day. We play a lot of video games, so there's one. It's a Zelda game, and it's like a time thing. And so there's only three days, and then if you make it through the game, I think you get to the fourth day, and it's like you survived. So it was like Thursday morning. I just remember we woke up, and like we had gotten over the hump of being home, and Yarek just like looks at me. He's like bump bump dawn of the fourth day and I just like cracked up and I was like <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's hilarious it was so perfect because it really felt like the sun was up again and we survived and she's still alive <laughs> <laughs> you're like yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um I can talk about the cloth diapers too because I had yeah. like a supply of diapers from the hospital and I'd also gotten some like eco-friendly ones but I was still going through them really fast and I was like she just threw diapers like you wouldn't believe and I was like I'm gonna I had bought everything ahead of time to be ready to like you know really make sure I did cloth diapering I wanted to commit so I had the diapers and I was going with pre-folds but I had a mix of a couple of other choices to see what I liked I had the covers uh, like cloth diaper wipes and wipe cream and everything. And it was Wednesday morning where I was like looking at my supply of disposable diapers and I'm like, it's time to try the cloth things. It can't be that hard, even though she's so teeny weeny. Like, I still don't know how I did it, like how I folded them to get them on her when she was that tiny. But Somehow I did. And I don't think she liked it very much. I felt really bad. She would cry during every diaper change. And I was like, is it because of the cloth diapers? I'm not giving up on this, oh, but no. I'm sorry to make you suffer. <laughs> like, <laughs> Almost every single newborn hates having their diaper changed. So okay. that's, it's likely that it had nothing to do with the kind of diaper you were using. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because it was important to me for environmental reasons. One of the reasons I was like, I was never really, I know I had hesitations about having babies because I was like, someone told me, I forget how many pounds, it's like 2000 diapers per person, right? And it's like, basically the diapers that my parents used on me are still sitting in a landfill somewhere 30 years later, 30, whatever. And I just, that is like an image in my head that I can never, ugh, it just grosses me out. So I looked up diaper services in the city and there's just one there's one in Brooklyn. I think there's there's another one out in Queens. Out on Long Island. Out on Long Island. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, Diaper Kind is great. They have workshops and they have everything on their website and they sell like all different products. And so I went to one of their workshops over the summer and like I got to practice putting a cloth diaper on a baby and they had all the different kinds. And um, we did consider using the service, but we live in a studio apartment and we don't have what's Yara called a stink room. So, and he, we didn't know how good their diaper pail would be. It turns out it's fantastic. You like, yeah. So the problem with the diaper service is like you had to hold these diapers somewhere for a week. And Yarek was like not okay with that. And we couldn't find any place in the building that was okay. Like, I think like we can, we tried asking with the doorman and they might've been okay with it, but we have laundry on the same floor. So I was like, I'll just try washing them myself for a while. And it works out fine. I just, I don't know, it's easy. And I iron them too to like, I think that helps kill any bacteria. So they never have any weird post smells. Mm -hmm. um, Do you have a certain sprayer that you use? Uh, so right now she's still just on breast milk. So um, one of the things they mentioned at Diaper Kind was because the poop is still liquid right now you just throw it in and it just you don't have to spray anything off yet okay so right now it's still early we're not going on solids yet but they said you can just plunk the solid into the toilet and then you wash the rest mm -hmm. so and I remember uh, I had babysat for one of my friends who cloth diapers and that was what she did and she didn't have a diaper sprayer she would just plunk and put in mm -hmm. the diaper genie or whatever mm-hmm yeah. Great. And did you have any favorite resources as you were kind of exploring this option for cloth diapering besides the diaper kind class? Were there any books or um, Facebook groups or anything like that that you found helpful? Not specifically. I would go on YouTube and watch like videos of, um, there's like a, a lot of moms on YouTube who have done little tutorials on how to do the different folds. So mm -hmm. 
That's Great. really what I, I just like looked those up and whatever one had the most like views, I figured it was a good one. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> That's helpful. Thanks. Yeah. The final thing I would just ask you is if you have any specific pieces of wisdom or tips for expectant parents who might be listening. Right. Um, I think to remember that like it helps me to think of birth as like a natural process and that to kind of bring the magic back into birth. Like it's a powerful moment for women. It should be celebrated. And um, I think I agreed with one thing I read that was like, I think this was also on your website, like I read, um, but you're like, we spend so much preparing for a wedding, like thousands of dollars, and you should maybe think about preparing for the birth of your child in a similar way, like be ready to celebrate it, like at the moment. And I think that helped me think of it in a positive way and just get through everything. Mm, Great. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Alicia. (laughs) This has been lovely to get to hear more details than I had heard before. (laughs) And, oh, I just wanted to, if you will permit me to read a little, uh, just a a blurb from what you sent me when you first had the baby. And then you can (laughs) tell me if you want me to edit it out, if you're, once you hear it. So you said, uh, I think God got me through the rest of it because there were moments where I was just scared and wanted to cancel the whole thing, (laughs) but somehow kept going. And I just, I just got a good laugh about the wanted to cancel the whole thing. (laughs) That is how I felt. (laughs) I remember that now. But you didn't cancel the whole thing. Not that you could have, but... (laughs) Like you can't, there's no cancel, but I love that. But you, you had the support you needed. You found the fortitude inside yourself and yeah. And it sounded like some of your faith and a higher power also kind of got you through that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, God definitely was there for, especially towards the end because it was very, very intense to Mm -hmm. get through that. I forgot to mention also, or just like my other advice is just, if you're thinking of having a baby, start planning financially now for a doula because they're amazing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And also to be aware that at least in New York City, there are so many doulas and so that there are doulas who have, you know, just recently gone through their training. And to my thinking, they still have a lot of expertise, even though they're not as experienced as the more expensive doulas, but, you know, yeah. so that it's, it shouldn't ever be outside someone's budget because, yeah. because there are some options that you can explore yeah. and your childbirth educator can help you find somebody. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good point. Cause literally I think having anybody who knew, knew what to do, even if they were not as, you know, experienced years wise would have been equally helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's a great tip. Yes. Yeah, start saving up for the doula. <laughs> because I mean, you know, the more experienced, the better, ideally, if you yeah. can afford, if you have saved up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great tip. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you again, Alicia. It's been great talking with you and you. wish you well on your continued parenting journey and hope to see you at a future reunion. <laughs> Thanks. So that's Alicia's first baby's birth story. I have to say that my Star Wars fan family just loved the references, especially the quasi Yoda quote. Alicia mentioned trying red raspberry leaf tea and evening primrose oil. While we don't really have much solid clinical evidence on the efficacy of these two things, many folks swear by them. I'll talk about them briefly, and we'll also link to some information on these things on the show notes over at birthmattersshow.com. Red raspberry leaf tea is thought to be a uterine tonic. It's been recommended for women's health in traditional medicine for literally hundreds of years. Many women drink the tea in pregnancy, and especially in the third trimester, as a way to possibly help strengthen the uterus, go into labor sooner, and perhaps have a shorter labor. Evening primrose oil is a prostaglandin. Prostaglandins are a hormone-like fatty acid our own bodies create to ripen the cervix and get it ready to soften and open for birth. So the thought is that EPO might help ripen the cervix. Most people use it as a vaginal suppository, but using it this way could possibly increase the risk of premature rupture of the membranes, which is also known as the waters breaking before contractions start. 
Because we don't want that to happen if it doesn't have to due to the small risk of infection, it's more recommended to take EPO orally instead, as it should have the same benefit to potentially ripening the cervix without that possible risk. If you click the links to the evidence-based birth report on red raspberry leaf tea and evening primrose oil in this episode's show notes over at birthmattersshow.com, you'll see details on the very little amount of research done in this area. The few studies that have been done were not really quality enough to prove efficacy or contraindication. We really need more data, but I do want to point out that these things might be helpful, and even if they're not, the placebo effect can certainly be valuable. Okay, here's a sneak peek of what's up next week. So, I mean, I guess my my tips for expectant fathers or new fathers would be to just be flexible and maybe roll with it even more than you think you need to because something will come up or you won't have as much food around or you're not being as supportive as you need to be. And it's not because you're not trying, but it's just because it's a brand new thing for, for everyone, including you. So there's a steep learning curve. So it requires a bit of flexibility, but also sort of an awareness of, you know, every minute and every hour, something could be going on. So just be prepared to run out, like just said, at four in the morning for for a random nipple guard or <laughs> run out. Or we have a 24-hour grocery store. So, you know, a lot of times I'd run out at like 11 or midnight and get frozen foods or something quick because we didn't have anything. And that was already my fault. So, yeah, just, to, just be flexible and, you know, not say no to what might seem ridiculous. I think me learning to say no less or not at all, especially in those first few weeks was really helpful. See you next week. And remember the nurse's quasi modified yoga quote, you're just gonna do it. There is no try. Thanks for listening to the birth matters podcast and be well. Be well.